This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, March 18th, 2021. This week, Google faces a lawsuit for tracking users while in incognito mode. New speculation that future iOS security updates may arrive separately from operating system updates. And we say so long to the original HomePod. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing quite well. You had some homework last week, didn't you? I asked you to check something out, and you have a report about charging your iPhone. Is that it? Yes. Uh, I, I was trying out my old Qi wireless charger that I got um, as a little giveaway at a tech conference once. This is a, it's, it's an old model. It's five watt, you know, it was just a a cheapy giveaway, but I dug it out because you said, you know, we're going to, we got to try this, Josh, like check it out and see if this improves your life. Right. And so I have to say, I'm not loving it so far. I've had a lot of um, issues where I'm running out of battery at the end of the day uh, it's getting really low. I mean, I, I last night I got down to like three percent, and I was like, okay, I I, I got to plug this thing in and charge it, uh, even while I was still still using it at that point. So, and and this is with having instead of the phone being plugged in all the time. That's what we were talking about last week. Was do I want to have my phone plugged in all the time? It's probably not so great for the battery. Let me try just doing the Qi charging instead. And uh, and see if that's good enough. And it hasn't been for me, but maybe part of that is because I've got this old five watt, and maybe I need to get a, a little bit faster Qi charger. I have a five watt Qi. I've had two five watt Qi chargers. They're anchor chargers. I have one under my iMac in my office, and one on the table next to the bed. Mine charges in a few hours when I put it up there at night. So I think it's. I don't think there's anything wrong with yours. Five watts isn't a lot. If you have an 18-watt charger, I think you can get from zero to 50% in a half an hour. So the point of a Qi charger is not that it's going to be a fast charge. It's that it's going to be a charge for when you have time to leave it charging, right? Yeah. And for me, I think that part of my problem is that I pick up my phone a lot, which I didn't really realize until I started trying to charge with the Qi charger. And then now I realize, oh, that's why it's so difficult for me to get enough of a charge on just Qi because I'm picking it up constantly. Whereas if I had it plugged in, it's still charging every time I pick it up and put it down. Okay, but we're not sure that it's really a good idea to keep it plugged in all the time and use it. But true, it's it, it probably is not. It's not a good idea for your battery. I think, by the way, I, I checked and my battery percentage um, health was something like it was either eighty one or eighty six. I can't remember. One of those was my wife's percentage. Uh, we checked hers too. How old is your phone? Well, this is a ten S, which we got when they first launched. So three years. Yeah, that's. I think that's about right, yeah. Well, that's getting to be about the time that you could change the battery. I suppose so, or maybe upgrade to a newer phone. I, I was really looking at the iPhone 12 because uh, there, was, there were a lot of features that, between the 10s and the 12, I feel like that's a pretty decent upgrade. It's true, but do you want to buy something mid-cycle like this? No, no. I, at this point, I'm... Absolutely, I feel it's worth waiting, uh, holding out until September or so when they come out with a new model. So um, we'll see. I'm, I think chances are I'm probably going to break down an upgrade this year just because, if nothing else, I'm running out of space all the time on my 64 gig 
uh, <laughs> iPhone, and I I don't want 64 gigs ever again. That's how they get you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the the storage space and the battery life. Okay, we have a public service announcement, Josh. Okay, so we are getting close to tax season, right? And every year we, we like to remind people that there's a lot of tax scams. But also now this week, there are some COVID relief checks of, uh, that are also going out to a lot of families and individuals in the United States. And between both of these things happening right around the same time, it's worth reminding people that there are always scammers who try to target these things and take advantage of people and trick them into uh, believing something that's not accurate about um, either the way that those systems work, the, the COVID relief checks or uh, tax refunds, um, or they just will, you know, outright call you up and say, oh, I'm from such and such company and I represent so and so and I'm calling you about your COVID relief check. Well, nobody's going to call you and nobody is going to email you and say, you know, here, I'll, I'll do your taxes for you. Just send me, you know, this information. I just need your social security number. It's not a good idea. You got to be really careful about these sort of things. So just a, a, a nice little short reminder that you got to be careful. Watch for scams. Don't believe hardly anything that you see about these things. If you're going to get a COVID relief check, you'll get it in the mail. And that's all you really need to know about that. Okay. We've got a lot of news this week, so we're going to go through a couple of these pretty quickly. Google is facing a $5 billion lawsuit over tracking users in incognito mode. I thought incognito is private browsing and that it's private. It's not private then? Well, see, if you read the fine print, <laughs> anytime you open up a new incognito tab in Chrome, it actually does tell you that the websites that you go to are still able to track you. And they, they also say that an incognito window will not hide your browsing from your school, your employer, your internet service provider. But it's really that other part about the websites that you go to can still track you. I think that's the, the sort of loophole here. And so this, there's this class action lawsuit and uh, you know there's this claim being made that Google has violated users' trust because they are telling people that this is a private window, right? You're incognito when you're using this browsing tab. And the thing that, that makes me wonder how far this is really going to get is because they, if you read the fine print on every single window, it, it kind of tells you that Google, implicitly, Google could still be among those companies that's tracking you when you're using an incognito tab. So user error. Yeah, I kind of feel like that. I mean, user's not understanding. Users thinking that because of clever marketing and nice little logos and icons of people hiding behind sunglasses, that it's really secretive. Yeah, and, and you've got to read the fine print. I mean, this, it's, it's sad but true that you, you don't really have 100% privacy anytime that you're using any web browser. It gets better when you add technologies like a private browsing tab that you close when you're done using it, along with all of your other private browsing windows, as we've mentioned before multiple private browsing windows and tabs in the same browser at the same time are all sort of within that same container, generally speaking. And so you've got to keep that in mind and make sure you're closing out all of your private browsing tabs when you're done using them. And then the other thing that you can do is you can use a VPN, which will hide your IP address from those companies and websites that you're visiting. And of course, also it keeps you more 
private from your internet service provider if they might be spying on you or or other in-between organizations. So those are some things that you can do, but you've always got to keep in mind that there are ways that websites can track you even when you're in incognito. Okay, so I like this next story because it shows a company that isn't very intelligent and some other people who are that take advantage of something. Brian Krebs, who's a security journalist, he writes, fintech giant Fiserv used unclaimed domain. So fintech is financial technology. Fiserv is the name of the company. Apparently, they were they had gotten like some sort of default domain in some info in an app or something or on a website, defaultinstitution.com, which had been put in as a placeholder. And they didn't bother to change this. And they were sending out emails with this domain. So people were replying. And some guy decided to buy the domain so he could get all these emails. Now, there's two important things here. One is if you know how to do this, you use the domain example.com whenever you need some sort of a default domain as an example, because it is defined by the internet rules as a domain that no one can own. It's just used as examples. The second thing is that any company that doesn't check where their emails are going, I I wouldn't trust a company like that. Uh, Yeah, clearly this is a pretty egregious mistake. Now, we have seen something... Hold on. I want to point out there are a $15 billion firm that's listed on NASDAQ. Yeah, uh, and that's that's not insignificant, (laughs) to say the least. However, another little angle to this is that we've actually seen malware do this sort of thing before. And this is where it it actually gets kind of fun for security researchers, right? Because, ooh, they're referencing a domain that's not currently registered. Let me see what information I can get. And a lot of times that's how malware researchers find out how widespread some infections are. They'll register an unregistered domain that happens to be referenced in the malware code. And now they can see all these phone home attempts from this malware from all over the globe. So it's pretty interesting stuff. Not too common that you see this in a major corporation that's using an unregistered domain like this. Uh, And it's pretty sad um, that this error happened. By the way, whenever I need to use a fake domain, rather than example.com, which is, I mean, you can actually go to example.com in a browser. It's a site that exists. I like to use something.edu because I know nobody except for uh, an official university or type organization is really going to be able to get an edu address. And so I'll make something up like homestarrunner.edu or something like that. Mm, Okay. I'd rather use example.com. Now, if you go to that website, I'll put a link to example.com in the show notes. It says this domain is for use in illustrative examples and documents. You may use this domain in literature without prior coordination or asking for permission. And then there's some more information that you can get. There are similar domains in different language scripts. So there are some in Arabic, Chinese, Cyrillic, etc. This is the Internet Assigned Numbers Authority. This is like the official, you know, placeholder. I mentioned before we started recording that the first book I did for Microsoft in 2001, I did part of a book about Microsoft Office. Microsoft Press gave the authors a spreadsheet with a whole list of names, company names, domain names, email addresses, etc. to use it as examples. So they had registered a whole bunch of domains that they could put into their stuff 
that all bounce back to Microsoft, I think. Otherwise, you you can't use example.com in all your examples if you're writing about Outlook, right? It just looks weird. So that way you could use real domain names and people names and, and even had photos that they had licensed. Another thing that people should be aware of, too, is if you're using some generic domain in, in an example somewhere and you don't want to use example.com, make sure that you don't assume that a top-level domain, the the instead of the .com, um, there is a top-level domain for .apple and .google because companies can actually register those types of top-level domains. So I would say never make an assumption that the .something, even if it doesn't exist right now, don't assume that it never will exist. Yep. There are actually hundreds of them. Anyway... So the big story this week, we're trying to figure this out before we started recording. A hacker got all my texts for $16. This is a story by the well-known Lucky225. Basically, somehow a, a company managed to take control of text messages without... See, here's where I'm confused. They managed to reroute the text messages from his phone number to a different phone number. And apparently there's hundreds of companies can do this. But how can they do this with the phone companies not verifying that this is the number holder who's granting it? Mr. Lucky225 wrote a Medium article, it's time to stop using SMS for anything. And we've mentioned many times the inherent insecurity of SMS. I'm thinking here that this is the inherent insecurity of the phone company. But it's true that this SMS layer going on top of insecure phone companies is problematic. And it's not really clear. There's not a lot of details on how exactly this stuff works. But th there's a couple of, of different companies that are mentioned in here. Um, the first uh, article that you mentioned is actually written by uh, Joseph Cox at, at Vice, the, the one where he says that someone got all of his texts for $16. And he explains in this that Essentially, somebody used a, a company, in this case, a company called Sakari, that helps businesses do SMS marketing and mass messaging. And they used this company to reroute messages intended for his personal cell phone number to the attacker. And apparently that cost the attacker a total of $16 to get this set up. Uh, which is crazy to me. So Lucky225 is this pseudonymous hacker who actually carried out the attack. And he also wrote a piece and he goes in some further detail. And he mentions a, uh, another company, ZipWhip, that promises to uh, text enable your existing business phone number. So this is one of those things that doesn't seem like this should be possible, right? And yet it is. And so how is that possible? Um, apparently... All of this ties in somehow with a net number. There's an organization called Net Number that apparently um, has the ability to lock specific numbers and carriers to prevent them from being hijacked. But uh, apparently it's not always locked. And I guess there are some cases where um, you could use one of these third-party companies to sort of work around that. So we've mentioned before, SMS is not a secure platform. There are lots of ways you can get hijacked. We've talked about SIM swapping attacks. This is even simpler than that. You don't even have to go to a phone company and say, hey, um, I want you to uh, give me a SIM card that I can put in my phone that will give me all text messages intended for this number. That would be pretty hard to pull off uh, unless you know somebody within the company uh, who can grant you that special access to do something like that. And of course, they'll probably get fired if they get caught. Um, but this is much 
simpler than that, um, where you don't even have to go to a phone company. You can sort of work around that whole system. So SMS is broken in all sorts of ways. Having said that, we still like to remind people that if the only option that a company gives you for a second factor, if the only option is SMS, at least use that because it's better than just using a password alone. Okay. In Apple News, they've launched a new web page with privacy labels for all their apps. And it's really quite nice. You've got a the alphabet from A to, well, X, because they don't have anything that begins with Y and Z. And you can go down the page and you can pick an app and you can click the little disclosure triangle and you can find out, for example, that Texas Hold'em does not collect any data. Well, that's Remember nice the Texas Hold'em app? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that Apple still had that app, but okay. Well, that was one of the first iPod games on the iPod Classic. And then there was an iOS version early on, I think. I think it's not being used anymore. But you can go into any app and you can see the privacy labels, which is, since you can't really see all of these on the App Store, there are some that you can download from the iOS App Store that you can remove from your device and re-download, but there's others that you can't. So, for instance, the Photos app. You can't find this information in an app store. So at least they're all in one place here if you're curious about, you know, what information a given app collects. Big news about iOS. And, and iOS may be, and this is a may, this is people looking at iOS beta code, may be soon offering security fixes separately from other updates. Now, on macOS, you can already get certain security files downloaded separately from full updates. So what we're seeing here is in automatic updates in iOS 14.5, there are two toggles, download new updates, install security updates. What I hope is that we can get this on iOS so we get security updates more quickly and we don't have to wait for a full operating system update. And whenever possible, hopefully this also means that those security specific updates will install automatically, hopefully without even requiring a reboot in some cases, yeah. which would be so nice because that's one of the things that really delays people from uh, installing updates is having to reboot. Everyone hates rebooting to have to install an update. And so if you can have some of these things automated that install in the background, that would be so much better. I would love that. Plus the time it takes to install a full iOS update. Yeah. It can take a half hour sometimes to download, to verify, yep. and it goes through a couple of black screens with logos and progress bars that never seem to end. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Apple discontinuing the HomePod. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997. And our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2021. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection. Net Barrier, powerful inbound and outbound firewall security. Personal Backup, to keep your important files safe from ransomware and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Big Sur and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users, made by the Mac security experts. 
So the HomePod, Apple discontinued the HomePod. And this is two items that Apple discontinued in the past two weeks. Because in the last episode, we were talking about how they discontinued the iMac Pro. And for both of these, they on the on the Buy Now page, they say something while stocks last. I think this is the first time Apple's ever done this for these two items. I don't think they ever said that in the past. Yeah, not that I can recall. It seems like when Apple has done this kind of thing before, they sort of let the supply dry up in the in the stores and then it it's become something that hits the rumor sites then at that point because then everyone's like, "Oh, it looks like Apple might be discontinuing this cuz you can't get it hardly anywhere anymore." And so this time it's it's more like Apple already knows that they want to discontinue these and so they're sort of pre-announcing it and uh and of course that also is kind of a good thing, I guess, because in a sense, it sort of drives demand for it so they can clear out their stocks if that's what they're looking to do. It actually did hit the rumor sites first. The day before, the rumor sites were starting to say that the Space Gray model was no longer available in the US in the online store. And at that point, I checked here in the UK and there were both available. And I thought, ah, well, it's just, you know, they've run out of stock because everyone prefers the Space Gray. So I was actually surprised that the next day they announced the, the discontinuation. So I have an article on the Intego Max Security blog, and I'm asking, is this the end of for Apple and home audio? And I've always felt that Apple needed to do more with audio, you know, since they created the iPod, which, you know, revolutionized digital music. And they've never really done much in home audio. They've got tons of headphones. And of course, they did earbuds for years, and then they bought Beats. And now they have the AirPods Pro and the AirPods Max, etc. But they've never done well with audio. Now, I looked back in the past, I've mentioned the app Mac Tracker that I use, which lists every Apple product ever made, except maybe not all the dongles and adapters. But there were a couple of pairs of computer speakers, the kind of cheap speakers you'd put next to your monitor on the screen. And they weren't, you know, meant for quality audio. But this was back in the day when Apple was trying to do everything that you needed. They had printers and scanners and, and all that sort of stuff. So some years ago, they had the iPod Hi-Fi, which was a big kind of boomboxy type thing, which I never heard it, but a lot of people I know still like it. And then they came out with the HomePod, and now they're getting rid of it. So they're keeping the HomePod Mini, which is more a Siri device than a speaker. It's too small to have you know good enough audio quality. And what surprises me even more is just a couple months ago, they added this new feature where you could take a stereo pair of HomePods, connect them to the Apple TV 4K, and get Dolby Atmos surround sound. Now, I haven't tried it. I actually could because I have two HomePods. I'm curious as to how that sounds. And, and that seemed to me, when Apple did that, I thought, wow, okay, they're going to go further with audio. Maybe we'll get a sound bar or something. But now they're just getting rid of it. It seems like they've just given up. Well, that's what's funny about this. And, you know, Apple has not canceled the HomePod Mini, um, which is $99. And uh, I guess that means that it's sort of the successor. Now, it doesn't have quite as many features as the original HomePod, though, right? Uh, I know you've got a couple of uh, articles that you did earlier for the uh, Mac security blog when these devices first came out. And you did a comparison of like what's different between the HomePod Mini and the original HomePod. Yeah, the HomePod Mini is just one speaker. The HomePod original is one woofer, seven tweeters, digital signal processing, et cetera, et cetera, which fantastic engineering, wonderful things. But people don't want to spend that much money for a single speaker. And the original HomePod being, you know, at that $300 price point, 
Um, originally, it was three forty nine when it was launched. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was originally fifty bucks more than that. And I remember when that came out, there were a lot of people who were going, "Oh, this is way too expensive, right?" Because yeah, what do I need a a pair of three hundred fifty dollars speakers for, or even a pair of three hundred dollars speakers after the price was reduced? That's a lot of money to spend on a couple of speakers. And I, I can see that perspective. At the same time, I think you know a lot of people who actually did invest in having two HomePods um, really got a lot of benefit out of it. They saw that, okay, well, actually, this is pretty cool. Like, Apple has done something really good with, you know, it, yeah, it's expensive. You have to pay for two devices then to get the full benefit out of it. But they had really good quality. Well, they have good enough quality for many people. I I don't agree entirely. I, I kind of wanted to do a breaking the fourth wall thing when you said people don't want to spend that much for speakers. I wanted to say there's lots of people who want to spend a lot for speakers. I know a guy that has speakers. One speaker costs more than my car, but this <laughs> well, is a different audience. This is the audience that buys a $50 Bluetooth speaker. So it's not the same. And, and I think Apple misjudged the audience. They kind of figured that if they can sell lots of things expensive, maybe they could get away with this. I kind of wonder if this is like a vanity project in the sense that they've got some audio engineers and they figured, we've got time on our hands, we're going to make it. Remember like the guy who went snorkeling in Mexico and came back with iMovie, right? Uh, I wonder if it's something like that. And they realized it just didn't work. But of course, it led to the HomePod Mini, which is now their sort of beachhead into the smart home. It's kind of weird that in a few months, there will only be a HomePod Mini for sale, right? It sound, it's like an, an orphaned product. You don't need that extra qualifier at the end anymore. Are they just going to rename it to the HomePod? Uh, <laughs> they could. Well, I, I, wonder, I wonder if what we're going to see is like an iteration of the HomePod Mini, which will have a different name. Right? HomePod 2 or HomePod Home or HomePod Edition or something like that. Yeah. Or the other thing that they could do is they could maybe build off of what, what they've got with the, the HomePod Mini, maybe make a little bit bigger version, something that's kind of like in between the original HomePod and the Mini and, yeah. and, and call that the new HomePod, right? It's, it's sad to see this product go away because I think it had a lot of potential. And it's good that Apple is at least keeping the $99 version of it around because they've got to have... I feel like it's a good idea for them to have something that competes with some of the you know speakers that, for example, Amazon makes available. And for a lot cheaper, by the way. I mean... You can, if you really want just a cheap speaker that just plays music from your your streaming library, then you know you can get uh, an Echo device for really cheap, and especially when they're on sale. So I mean, we're talking like twenty, thirty dollars sometimes. Yeah, you can get an Echo Dot for twenty five bucks. Yeah, twenty five bucks the last time, what Black Friday or whatever was the last time I saw that. The only thing that I'm wondering is why don't they make a sound bar next? Something to go with the Apple TV. And, you know, the Apple TV is another big question mark. It's way overpriced for what it does. You can buy a Roku for, what, $50? Oh, yeah, like even that, less than that. Which has an Apple TV app. So uh, I, it's kind of surprising that now that they have this focus on TV content, that the hardware necessary for the TV content is not something that they're trying to develop as well. You can even get a Roku, a 4K capable Roku. If you wait for the sales, you can find them for $25 or even less than that, $20. In fact, I, I know that because I just bought one recently because I've been waiting <laughs> on Apple for years now to come out with a 4K Apple TV. I'm still waiting. 
like a 4K new model, I should say. They have a 4K yeah. Apple TV. I could get a 4K Apple TV right now if I wanted to. it's three years old? Exactly, yeah. It's old at this point, and I don't want to buy some really old piece of hardware and then have Apple turn around and at the very next Apple event, they're like, oh, yeah, and by the way, we've got a new Apple TV. Yeah. As for, especially for what it costs. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And so I've been, I'm kind of like monitoring eBay. Like, is there any way I can like get one of these for like half price? No, that, no. you can't get them for 50% off, even, even heavily used and everything. So I'm like, okay, well, I got to hold out for the next Apple TV and I couldn't wait any longer. I just had to get a 4K Roku and it's actually pretty nice to be honest. Yeah. So here's a thought. What if, instead of updating the Apple TV, they came out with a sound bar that contains the Apple TV stuff and some speakers in it? That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, why not? I mean, it's a set-top box that has multi-functions. Sure, that, that seems like a, a good Apple thing to do. Yeah, I just want to see Apple do more with home audio. I'm disappointed that they're giving up. That That's what... Because they are doing so much with headphones, you know, with the new AirPods Max... Even though they have a bad case, apparently the sound is quite good. I'd like to see them do more because Apple really, it's, when you think about it, Apple's a computer company first, a music company second, and a mobile device company third, because the iPod has influenced so much of what Apple's done for the past 20 years. All right, that's enough for this week, Josh. Till next week, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you'd be so kind, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. Thank you.